welcome to the Creative Financing Podcast, where you'll learn how to structure terms and use various creative financing strategies to create profitable deals for short and long-term wealth. Whether you're a buy and hold investor, wholesaler, or flipper, learning creative financing will help you do more deals and unlock profits that you may not even know existed. On the Creative Financing Podcast, we break down actual deals we and our guests are doing and simplify the methods and terms used to execute these strategies. Now, let's dive in and create some terms. Hello, and welcome to the Creative Financing Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Gallegos, here with Jeff Rappaport. And today, guys, this episode is just going to kind of be of a more conversational one um, where we're just going to you know, talk about random thoughts um, and we're going to relate it to creative financing um, so that there's some value for you guys. But uh, it's just kind of a more of a fun one for us, something we don't have to think about too much. And it's just more of a conversation. Um, so, yeah, let's let's get started, Jeff. I literally came up with this uh, maybe 15 minutes before we started doing it. And I'm always thinking about new episodes that we can do. I know that you like deal structuring. We, we try to do a lot of that. But one of the things that I'm seeing is that people uh, call in our hotline or they, they chat with me about deal structuring. And they're just confused, right? Um, they're starting to get a little bit of an idea of how to use some of these techniques, but they're starting to combine them in ways that don't necessarily work. And it just made me think that what if Jonathan and I just had a normal conversation here, but um, things that we've discussed over, you know, 90 something episodes of our podcast, but just kind of put it into perspective. So, the first thought that I have is that we talk a lot about getting in light, right? Yeah. Light makes things so much more doable. Um, but why don't we define what light really means? And uh, I'd love to get into all of my deals with no money down. Yeah. Not very realistic, right? Right. Uh, as light as you can get. Uh, that's right. I would love to get in with three to 5% down. That's probably not very realistic if I'm dealing with a realtor, right? Uh, yeah. Listed property. Um, I can pay more down typically if I'm going to sell my property to a buy and hold investor. Uh, I probably need to get a little better down payment if I'm planning on selling to an owner occupant. Right. Uh, I probably could get somewhere in between or more if I'm selling to a rehabber because that's short-term money and, um, you know, it's money that they don't have to necessarily um, go raise. They have this money and it's hopefully preventing them from getting hard money. Uh, So keep in mind that when we talk about getting in light, It really depends on the situation that we're dealing with. But um, Jonathan, if you have a house that you want to sell and you're open to taking payments, your house is worth $300,000 and you tell me, yes, I want $50,000 down. Yeah, it's going to be difficult, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. 
Uh, and what I would probably say is like, look, Jonathan, I want to help you and I might be able to structure some things that would work. Are you flexible on that down payment at all? Because I can tell you right now, we can't come with, you know, 20% down. That, that, that will defeat the purpose of what we're trying to do. Yeah. And then you're going to either tell me, well, I might be open to it depending on what the rest of the terms are or no, no. I, I'm not. And yep. it's like, hey, I, I, I understand. It doesn't work for everyone. Right. Uh, is it all right if I check back with you in 30 days and see how it's going? Sure. Change. Circumstances change. Yep. But don't start offering all the, you know, I see people that, would I personally be willing to pay 20% down if I just got this killer deal that I was going to buy? Yeah, I, I would. Would I possibly be willing to pay 25% down or even 30% down if I was going to buy it and the rest of the terms were just super good? Yeah. Yeah, it's possible. I would. Yeah. But if I'm looking at wholesaling it, yeah. I don't want to go into that trying to get you know more money than what it would take for someone to go to the bank and get a loan. Right. And that I brings- always want it to be less. It brings us to our second point. Um, begin with the end in mind. Uh, so know what you're going to do with the property. Are you buying it for yourself? Are you planning to wholesale it? Um, is this a fix and flip, or is it you know a long-term buy and hold? Um, are you going to be selling it to an owner occupant, or are you going to be doing a you know a, could you lease option the property and stay in the middle? So just begin with the end in mind. Know kind of where what you're going to do with the property. Because um, if you don't, then you're not going to be able to make any kind of offer. Um, so uh, we, we always talk about that on the show, uh, kind of know what you do. And, it, and, you know, a lot of that depends on how much is owed on the property. What is the seller willing to take? How much work does the property need, right? How long of a term are you looking for? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Totally so agree. Factors, and you kind of figure that out as you get more pieces of the puzzle, right? Um, but always try to keep in mind what you're doing with the property. Yeah. Uh, and then another thing we always talk about is start working the numbers backwards. Um, if you know what, you know, if, if you know your end goal uh, and it's say buy and hold, then you need to determine what kind of cash flow you want a month. And so how do you do that? You start with the market rental rate for that area. Um, you look that up on rentometer.com or one of those other sites and you find out what properties are renting for, you know, based on that square footage that, you know, that many bedrooms, bathrooms, and you work backwards from that number. What are your expenses? You minus your taxes, insurance, um, water, sewer, garbage. And then, uh, you know, from there, we'll, you kind of have an idea of debt service. debt service and how much you want to pay for that. And, you know, um, what you want to leave yourself for cash flow. Well, and I think you brought up a really good point is that, so if you're buying for yourself, you already know what you're, what you're looking for to some degree, right? Yep. Maybe you have a certain cash flow that you want to accomplish. Maybe you have, uh, you know, a, a maximum down payment that you want to get. Maybe a, a certain range on cash on cash return or cap rate, something to that. And if you don't, I'm not sure how you're, deciding when you're going to buy something or when you're not going to buy. 
If you don't, you need to define that up front. Yeah, that, I mean, at least to some degree to help govern you to, one, make these offers, and two, you know, what is it that you're trying to accomplish? Sometimes you get something that's like a home run, way better than what I would have accepted. Uh, and then there are other times where it's like, hey, this doesn't meet my minimum criteria. Mm-hmm. When we're doing this, we're, we're mostly doing it from a wholesale perspective because that's typically what we do. Uh, and so now I have to think as a wholesaler, right? And that wholesaler, uh, my end buyer may be an owner-occupant, a buy-and-hold investor, a rehabber, um, uh, a land developer, um, you know, on and on and on. And I've got to figure out who most likely is going to be my buyer and what is the criteria that they want. Yeah. Um, so I can provide it to them. And think about it, it's probably similar to what I would want. Maybe, maybe they have a little lesser criteria. Uh, maybe I have a little lesser criteria, not in this case. My criteria is higher because I want, you know, I want the deals of the deals. Um, yeah. uh, I, I'd rather wholesale them unless it's like, this is just too good of a deal to pass it up. Yeah. So what's, what's too good of a deal to pass up for you, Jeff? So one of my favorite kind of deals is uh, when I can stay in the middle so I can buy on terms and then sell on terms. And uh, so the way that it becomes super exciting to me is that I make a bunch of money up front on the down, the difference on down payments, the arbitrage. I'm making a ridiculous amount of cash flow. Like uh, I wouldn't even look to stay in the middle unless the down payment and the equity, you know, and the back end were huge. Unless I'm making 400 to 500 minimum cash flow a month. A month, yeah. Um, but think about this. Isn't it pretty cool? Where not only did you have no money in this property, you got paid upfront to buy it now you've sold it you no longer own it you're making four five six seven hundred dollars a month cash flow yeah and at some point in the future whether it's three years five years seven whatever you've worked out there's another nice payday coming your way and i don't have to worry about tenants or maintenance or repairs or any of that i love those kinds of deals yeah that's called arbitrage interest or, you know, arbitraging the purchase price, one of the two. And all of them, uh, the whole thing. And uh, when you have those three separate paydays and they're all pretty good, um, (laughs) how do you complain about that? Um, (laughs) Sometimes the hardest decision is, do I really want to sell this property, um, you know, right away? So do I want to, buy it and actually own it and, you know, decide what to do with it. Or would I like to just buy it and sell it and collect all the benefits thereafter? Yeah. Yeah. And one thing I want to talk about that, you know, you've been able to do, I haven't been able to do yet, but when you use creative financing and you find people out there that um, are enticed by earning an interest rate on their money uh, over time, <clears throat> they don't really need the cash. Um, and they may be, you know, trying to defer 
<clears throat> excuse me, capital gains taxes or something, um, you're able to substitute their collateral. If you're able to make a deal with them, you're able to substitute their collateral, collateral and then use their money to, you know, fund more deals, right? And so yeah. it's, it's one thing that we've made a few episodes on before, but that's kind of one of the coolest things to me with creative financing and um, you're basically fighting money partners out there and they're the cheapest money partners you can find because you're not paying 12, you know, 10, 12% interest and, you know, two to four points on these deals. I mean, there's no points and you're borrowing money at 2.5% interest like you are, Jeff, or yep. three or 4% interest. Well, and I'm getting some of the principal pay down too because yeah, and you you know, ultimately when I pay them off, I owe them less than what, yeah, <laughs> what what I'm actually using. So yeah. I'm getting a portion of that money at the end too. And what's cool about that also is that, you know, the more principal pay down they're getting, uh, they might be more open to lending more of that money out. So I, know, I, I would tell you right more now, money, they're open to lending more money. Right now we have about $600,000 that, um, that we can play with. And one of our, our substitution of collateral lenders will let us split it up um, so we don't have to use it all. Uh, they'll lend in second position uh, with a little added fee. Um, they'll do short term, they'll do long term. And my guess is, is that um, their, their note will come due in like a year. And my guess is, is that if they do decide to take their money, they will come back to us and continue to want to work with us on a private money level, or they'll say, I, we still don't want our money. Um, yeah. what, what do we work out? So, um, and to be honest, I'll work out whatever they want. Um, yeah. The second one isn't as flexible, but um, we've worked out some things and a lot of times it becomes making them comfortable with what you're doing and how you're doing it. Yeah. Um, and neither of the well, one was set up ahead of time. One was set up at, you know, because we, we cast them out early. And, uh, so just know that even if you don't set it up right away, um, that you can certainly go back to it and later on. Uh, but as long as you're casting them out early, the second one I cast out, I, I set up a four-year term. I cast them out in 30 days. And <laughs> I, I, we, we talked about that on one of our podcast episodes. Yeah. And then I had a choice. You know, what did I want to do? And I decided I, I would rather have use of that money. That I think that could make me more money than arbitraging it and doing exactly what we were just talking about, yeah. um, making some money up front and the cash flow and then the money later. Yeah. And it's all about leverage, right? So the more money you have access to, the more you can leverage other properties, other deals. Um, and with like kind of your story, like with my, say I have access to like 200,000 in private money, but it started out at as, you know, as a hundred thousand and, you know, just paying this guy interest doing different deals over time. Now I'm up yeah. to 200 and I'm going to continue to build that into the future. Yeah. Um, and so I can pretty much use that, you know, at my discretion as long as he's secured and he will lend in a second position in some scenarios. Um, you know, as long as, you know, I have another rental property that I can add a second to if he's not fully secured. Um, so we're kind of cross collateralizing, um, the, 
the deal so that um, he has more interest or more secured interest in it um, on multiple properties. So even if I can't, you know, if I find a property that uh, there's not enough equity to secure that $200,000, well, I can still use that and then use, you know, one of my rental properties uh, to collateralize, meaning we file a, you know, cross collateralization, right? yeah, cross collateralize, meaning we file a, you know, a, a trust deed in a second position on that property and we reference the same note, you know, that $200,000 note. And so now we have two properties securing collateral. Um, and so that, that's kind of how I've been able to use some private money, but it's, what, what are the terms? What, what are your terms typically? So I can borrow this money at 8% interest, uh, no points, and I can borrow it up to five years. So I can do a long-term play on it um, or, you know, I've, I've been mostly using it for, you know, flipping properties. So more of a short-term six-month um, borrowing period. So, can, can, we, can we expand on that? Because I, what I really want is for you and our listeners to understand how humongous that would be in the creative financing business. So, Think about this. Some of the offers that we like to do, what if you know, we were offering down payments and now we have that money to just go and put the down payment down, right? Mm -hmm. Where you can go borrow 35,000 um, private money, 35,000 at 8% is not a huge amount of money. Right. Um, and now we can control that property how we see fit or in our subordination offers um, where you can bring that money in first position and um, buy that property uh, at 8%. Yeah, that's my highest point. Um, but uh, I believe that you know, certainly you can find money at even cheaper rates. And, you know, you have some 8% and you have some seven, maybe you have some six and maybe even lucky at five. Mm -hmm. uh, but it will open all these doors. Um, you know, think about this, Jonathan, you, you like to rehab. What if you could buy a property, rehab it, have that money stay in place and then sell it, but sell it on owner finance terms. So sell it for more than what it's worth sell it for a higher rate of interest, sell it with a down payment. You've already got, you have no money in it. You're mm -hmm. being paid up front. You're getting paid every month. Um, and you got a good size payday coming to you at the end. And um, all because you've got private money. Yeah. It's a great thing. It really uh, is. Can't complain about it. it. Yeah, will make creative financing so much better. Yeah, and as you you know as you progress in this business over the years, like you have Jeff, you develop these relationships with, with people with you know private money lenders or um, you know friends or relatives or whoever it may be, or even sellers. In your case, you develop yep. those relationships, um, and then when you're able to use that money, I mean, there's just the Leverage is a huge thing in this business, right? In real estate, it's a huge, huge thing because it's the difference between, you know, your cash on cash return, whether or not it's infinite because you didn't lend the money out of your own pocket or, you know, whether or not 
you know, you're, you're achieving a, a 12% or 15 or 20%. Uh, it depends on how much money you have in the deal. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a big thing. Um, and one of the things too, is that, um, yeah, my business model is to, to do my very best to not put my own money into deals. And if I do, it's very short term. Yeah. And that's based on my experience back in, you know, the crash of 2008. And, um, but I will tell you this, I treat my private money as if it were mine, right? Mm -hmm. I am not putting them in a situation because I look at it as that's my money. If I lose that money, I've got to pay that back to that seller, yeah. um, <laughs> that lender. So I, I, I am super cautious with people's money. Um, I don't want to put them in a situation where, or myself in that situation where, hey, uh, sorry, this one didn't go quite as well. It's like, if it didn't go quite as well, it's my fault. Now I got to go make it up. So yeah. uh, that's what I look at it as. Yeah, same here. Um, you got to be, if you're borrowing other people's money, you got to be diligent and you got to do it with integrity. Yeah. Um, absolutely. And you need to make sure they're secured uh, or overly secured in, in any instance. When I, when I borrow that 200,000 to, you know, finance a uh, rehab, um, I'm borrowing in a first position um, on that property, on that subject property. And then I also um, will record a, a second position on one of my rentals so that, yep. um, you know, it's double secured really because, yep. you know, even in my one rental alone, my, sometimes the equity position is, is greater than what I'm even borrowing yep. um, in the property. So always, always, always look out for your investors or for your money partner's um, interest before your own and treat the money as it was your own. So don't, you know, maybe even more important than your own. Yeah, absolutely. Right? <laughs> yeah. And it should be, it really should. Yeah. Um, because you gotta, you gotta, you gotta do, you gotta conduct business with integrity. So do you have something? Did you want to say something? Cause I have something if you don't. Yeah, no, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So we don't talk about this a lot, but th this is super important. And you know, we're now doing deals all over the country, right? And it does not give me the luxury to pick and choose the title company I would like to use, right? Where I can speak with the escrow officer, explain what we do and how we do it and make sure that we're all on board. And uh, because I don't know where the deals are gonna come from. And, uh, and a lot of times, um, whether they're my students, apprentices or, other people that we're partnering with, um, you know, they've put the property under contract and the seller has dictated where they want the closing to occur. And I would tell you, it is super important uh, to, to make sure that you vet your title company and or attorney, whoever is closing your deals. Um, We've worked with oh, countless title companies and attorneys. Sometimes they work really well. Sometimes they're totally clueless. Sometimes I've got to remind them to do their job. And when I say their job, it's like, isn't their job to set up a time 
for closing between the seller and the buyer. Uh, yeah, I've had one title company come back and say, well, that's on you. And I'm like, how could it possibly be on me? I don't know your schedule. Um, I, how would I possibly schedule the closing when I don't work at your company? Um, that's your job. And yeah. the title companies can waste your time and they can jeopardize your deals. And yeah, it really time. should be the easiest part of the entire process. Yeah. But you, you got to you got to know who you're working with. We're doing a deal right now, and I I talked to the title company yesterday, and I said, look, I'm going to be the point person on this, and um, this is a little confusing. There's two assignment of contracts, and here's who the end buyer is. I said, have you done assignment of contracts? Um, no. Oh man. And then on top of which, she's like, so you and this other person aren't taking title to the property, right? No, we're not taking title. I said, please, please, please. When, as you're doing this, keep me in the loop. I will get you through this. Um, and, you know, but could you see how this title company could potentially jeopardize you know, I'm like, you are going to do separate HUDs, right? Where the seller's only going to see the seller side. Buyer's only seeing the buyer side. Um, you know, the assignment fee is significant. And the last thing I really want is the seller to see that um, how much money is being you know, made on this deal. Yeah. So I have to walk this title company through every aspect of this closing. Um yeah. Not what I would like to be doing. Yeah, so let's talk about that. What's what's some good ways to find title companies that um, that are familiar with these kinds of transactions? And my answer is network with other investors that are yeah. doing this. If you can, if you can find a wholesaler <laughs> in that market, um, ask them who they use for their title company, and they'll tell you. And those 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 title companies um, are going to be a lot more. <clears throat> with uh, either, you know, creative financing and or, you know, well, definitely assigning contracts, right? If they're working with a wholesaler, they're going to be familiar with assigning contracts or doing double escrows. Um, but, you know, they, that's, that's kind of the best way. What about, what are some other ways, Jeff? I know you do the same thing. Yeah, I, I would absolutely start there. I'd like a referral and then, yeah, because it's not just about the title company. It's about the escrow officer that does your closing, right? Yeah. Uh, a title company can be fine, but each escrow officer is going to be different. Um, some are super good and very knowledgeable. Some are new. Some are, you know, hey, that's outside of what I do, and I don't want to do anything that I don't do. Uh if I was doing any kind of creative financing, I'd hope to know that ahead of time that this title company will do what it is that I need them to do. Um, I also want to know how busy that particular escrow officer is. If they've got 40 uh, deals that they do every month, uh, how much of a priority am I going to be? Not much, most likely. Right. And, uh, maybe I got to prove myself a little bit, but even if they're doing 40 deals, do I ever become the priority? I, I, I don't know. 
and I want to be a priority. Um, you know, we, we talked about a couple of deals that we we did just recently on some defaults that had very very short time frames, and um, I think we talked about this. the The title company in Idaho, I went to them. I'm like, "Can you get this done?" And, and they're like, "No, no." Yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> You're like, well, you need to. Yeah. In Utah, the answer was yes, we can get it done. And they both did it. Um, but I want to be the priority, right? Um, right. I need a PR in 24 hours. You're going to get it. Yeah. And too often times with title companies, they don't prior prioritize things like that or you know, the escrow officer will put it on their assistant and their assistant doesn't really know what priority is or what priority is not. Um, so that's, it's tough, but definitely network, 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 network with other investors in the area. And if you have a deal that you're looking at in another state, but you've never done business there, get on bigger pockets and, you know, ask, you know, ask on their, you know, wholesaling what, houses full time. Yeah, wholesaling house. Yeah, wholesaling houses full time on Facebook. Any other Facebook group too? That's a that's yeah. a great resource. Just ask. You know, just get on there, join the group, and you know, in the comment section, say, "Who do you guys use for a title company?" This is what I'm looking to do, and you'll get referrals that way. Yep. I, I was just thinking that because I had this conversation yesterday. I'm like, oh man. Um, <laughs> Yeah, if a title company's never done an assignment, it's like, oh, this is going to be... Yeah, and it's not like I have a choice. I've got to deal with them. Um, yeah. This wasn't the deal I put together, but I'm now in the middle of, and uh, I just got to deal with it. And I'm the person that's got to get it all done. So yeah, uh, I don't know how I got voted into that situation, but... Um, the payday's good. The payday's good. Yeah, the payday is good, and... I just assume that uh, it be me because I'm not so sure that everyone else involved um, is clear on how this needs to get done. Yeah. So let's talk about a little bit. Um, let's just touch on like, you know, someone that's brand new to this, you know, never, never has really wholesaled before or flipped, but they're just brand new and they're very interested in creative financing because of the leverage. Yeah. Um, what, Aside from our podcast, obviously, what are some other resources or where would you tell them to start? So one of the people that was the biggest influence in my life was Ron Legrand. Uh, he's been around 30 plus years and still is teaching. Um, and uh, that's where I learned terms to begin with. That, that was my very first teacher slash mentor and I would tell you that you're foolish if you don't get, you know, educated by him. Um, there's others. Um, Eddie Speed, who has been around for a long time. Now, he deals more in notes, but notes, uh, notes are generated. We, we generate notes from owner financing. And he does do his share of creating offers. Um, there are, uh, there is um, a guy named Grant Kemp, who Mitch Stevens. These are all people that they probably focus more on um, raising private money, buying the house cash, and selling on terms, rather than you know creating the terms through the seller. They're creating their own terms 
And yeah. uh, there are so many different possibilities, um, directions, paths that you can take with, with creative financing. You know, if, if lease options is something that you're really interested in, Joe McCall, um, John Jackson, those would be the two people that I would recommend. And lease options are quite easy to, to understand and implement. Uh, and I would tell you, if you're brand new, if you're making offers, okay? Because if you're not making offers, you're not in the game, right? Yeah. You, you might think that you are, but you're not. You have to be making offers consistently to actually even truly be in this game. Maybe you're not getting them accepted, but if you're actually in the game, you're making offers. And I would tell you that go back and listen to the 20, 30, 40 episodes that we've done and focus on one type of, of offer. That's our short-term owner financing offer for a rehab. Yeah. Super easy to understand. It's super easy to implement. And if you're buying, if you, if you're buying or putting properties under contract and then wholesaling them to rehabbers, this will come into play immediately for you and you will get deals accepted. Yeah. Um, and you will either make more money or you'll make, you'll, you'll be able to get the deal when others wouldn't because you were able to pay more. Yep. You're able to pay a little more. And with, um, you know, fix and flips, uh, there, there's a huge buyer pull in any market for, there's a huge demand for, you know, rehabs in any kind of market out there. So buyers are easy to find. Um, and if you're able to structure financing for these buyers, then they're going to love that deal even more. It's going to be a great deal for them because they don't have to bring in hard money. So yeah, that's, that's a great suggestion, Jeff. Focus on uh, one strategy that we teach and um, really just apply that until uh, you're fluent in that, until you feel so confident that you can do it in your sleep, right? Yeah, I think one of the things that um, a lot of uh, listeners try to do is try to take in everything, right? And try to implement it all. And yeah, it, it's too much, really. You know, I, I created a specific way to make offers. I, I don't know that there's anyone in the world that does what I do. I, I've never heard of it. I, I don't even know exactly how I came up with it. Um, someone else that I worked with did something similar and I tweaked it a bit. Um, and maybe I'm being totally foolish. Maybe people do this all the time, all over the place, but I've never learned it from anyone. Uh, yeah. And for you to say, well, I'll just, I'll, I'll start doing what Jeff does. Um, not until you totally understand how it works. Yeah. Right? And you know, if subordination is really complicated for you, then put it aside and, and strengthen your foundation. And as you strengthen it, expand it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like anything in real estate. Uh, if you, if you keep chasing that shiny object syndrome and, you know, today I'm a wholesaler. Now, oh, you know, I made eight offers. No one accepted my offer. Uh, I didn't think this would work anyway. I'm going to go to buy and hold or, uh, all right, buy and hold's not working. I'm going to do Airbnb. And uh, it's like, 
that one of the great things about real estate is there's so many choices uh, and you can be super successful yeah. in uh, so many different ways um, and very niche ways, right? That very few people do. Um, but you can't just jump around and not be good at anything. You, you've got to focus and you got to decide when, hey, it's time to make a shift or I'm going to slowly you know, learn about this and add it to what I'm already doing. Um, you know, I just did a wholesale meetup um, a couple of days ago. And what we talked about was virtual wholesaling. And the reason that I wanted to do that topic is that virtual wholesaling has become much simpler um, through technology. Right. Uh, it, it's not hard to do a bunch of research figure out where you want to be and why um, look into some different things about that market and um, get a title company of boots on the ground, the MLS access, all of that and be up and running in two to four weeks. Um, yeah. It's insane. But if you're in a market where, Hey, I, I like buying holds and you're in Utah and buying holds really make very little sense right now. Instead of beating your head against the wall trying to make something work, go to a place where I and hold the numbers are much better. Yeah, Midwest. Yeah, yeah. I and focus, you know, is key to that. To to all of that. I mean, the, like you said, the real estate world is so big. There's so many niches um, with residential, commercial, industrial. Um, you know, retail, restaurant, specialty, self-storage. I mean, it's just huge. So notes, creative financing, uh, hard money lending. Um, yeah. You know, on, uh, Airbnb. Uh, <laughs> There's so many. That, yeah, yeah. And it's going to continue to change. Like Airbnb, that wasn't even a strategy, what, 10 no. years ago, 15 yeah. years ago or whatever. Um, so it's going to continue to, you know, change. Um, so just like I know – some of our listeners may listen to like um, entrepreneur on fire, John Lee Dumas. And um, he always says uh, focus is an acronym for follow one course until success. Um, and that rings true if in any field, really, um, yeah. that it's just the success principle. You got to focus. Um, but I, I love uh, how you touched on virtual wholesaling because, that, again, that's that's something that's been evolutionized, right? There, yep. There's been an evolution on on being able to do that in other markets, and it's all because of technology. So yep. um, it's kind of, you know, real estate's a moving target, um, so always stay educated um, and continue to always build relationships. Those are kind of important things um, for success long-term in this business. Yeah. Well, and it's funny, you know, for me, my, my real estate career has been two different pieces. So pre-crash real estate career and then post-crash real estate career. And pre-crash, I focused on buying subject to, owning homes, lease optioning them out, and short sales primarily. And then toward the end of that just before the crash, I got involved in land and um, commercial and high-end renovations. Uh, all the things that you better be paying attention to what's going on in the market um, before you 
start doing those three things because those aren't places you want to be if the market is to correct. Now, post-crash, primarily, I'm a wholesaler mostly because um, you know, I'm sort of risk averse and wholesaling definitely has issues, right? Um, uh, you know, if the market were to crash, your buyers go away. Um, you know, there's all this different um, legislation, division of real estate um, all over the country having their own opinions of whether um, wholesaling is legal, not, not legal, licensed, unlicensed. Um, real estate is always changing, always. And the people that are most successful are the ones that can modify or change their strategy to fit with what's going on currently. Yeah, in the market, yeah. And one thing I, I just thought of um, for like beginners in creative financing, some of the things we see our listeners do is they're just making, you know, 30 year amateurized offers on, on property with, you know, a low down payment and, um, you know, little, little money down or I mean a, a low interest or somewhere around a market interest rate of, of what, you know, banks are lending at. So I wanted to touch on that. I, I just thought of that, but for beginners, if you're a beginner out there, um, what we've seen a lot of our listeners do, they're just, you know, they're making, um, a creative financing offer just based on a, you know, 30 year amateurization and, you know, somewhere close to, to market interest rate uh, with a low down payment. So um, if you know how traditional mortgages work uh, and they're pretty simple, right? Pretty well known. Well, then you can kind of apply the same principle to creative financing. Um, and then you can always, you know, apply a, a five year balloon in there, seven year balloon or something like that. So I just wanted to touch on that again, Jeff. I just, that just kind of came to my mind as I was thinking about, you know, the guests that we've had on and kind of the, the offers that they've made. Well, if I remember correctly, like Mike Cowper. Yeah, I was just thinking of him. He had a situation yeah. where it was like a seven year amortization, right? Something like that, that uh, at the end of seven years, the property would be free and clear. And He's dealing in that lower price range. I don't remember his fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollar range. Yeah. Um, and uh, if you live in areas where uh, you have houses, like you know, twenty thousand to you know seventy, eighty thousand, uh, that that's a great way to be able to structure and end up with free and clear houses in you know not the very distant future. Um, uh, even on our last episode, we talked about, hey, when we're playing with numbers, we're playing with interest rate. We're playing with how long the amortization is. Um, we're paying, playing with the purchase price. And those are our variables that we can play with so that we can get to the point where, where we want our payment to be, um, typically. So our payment and our balloon payment. Yeah. For sure. And, you know, in addition to that, and we talked about this not too long ago on one of our episodes about there should be an end. You know, we want to end up in a certain place at the end of that balloon term. Yeah. Right? That, um, you know, it's not okay just to, hey, we'll do three years or four years or five years. But we truly want to end up in an, a place where it would make sense to be. 
So uh, we, we just did an interview with Farouk and, you know, he, he created a five-year balloon. And at the end of five years, one of the things that I remember very well is that he's like, I would be at the, at the very least at the 75% loan to value where we could just refinance. And that's what I'm thinking about too, is um, am I in a better position to get this refinanced at the end of the term? Or am I going to have a problem? Am I going to be short? Am I going to have to come up with more money? Am I going to have to rely on appreciation? I don't want to have to rely on that. If I get it, that's great. I want to rely on that based on where I'm at today in three years, four years, seven years, whatever, I'm going to be at a place where I can get this refinanced without any more money out of pocket. Yeah, because there's no guarantee of appreciation and you should never bank on it because it could wipe you out literally wipe you out in the end. If your balloon payments, um, you know, a lot higher than you can refinance for, uh, and you know, that that's coming to an end. Right. And there's been no appreciation or maybe there's been a market correction, um, for sure. But to, to figure all of that out, uh, here's a good foundational piece. You got to learn how to use a financial calculator. Um, and we've, we've went over this on the show several times, um, and there's probably a lot better YouTube videos out there <laughs> that not hard to use a, a financial calculator. Yeah, it's not, it's not hard. Um, so you definitely have to know how to use a financial calculator, um, and to determine, you know, what your payment's going to be and what your balloon's going to be and, you know, how much, uh, you know, what your amortization schedule is going to be and, um, your principal pay down over time. So you, that's, that's definitely a foundational tool that you have to, you have to know how to use. Yeah. You know, I, I I think we probably should wrap this up, but yeah. I like this. I, I think we should do this more often, just um, a conversation, um, you know, randomly, random things that come up because, uh, but, you know, I, I just thinking through this conversation that we're having is we, we could have a whole episode on tools that we use to, you know, make our... Um, business a little easier and we actually uh, should do that that's a great that'd be a great episode yeah all the online tools we need we use to evaluate property <clears throat> financial calculator of course yeah um, yeah that's a but great that's, uh, but I'm just thinking all the different uh, sometimes we get so targeted on what we're we're dealing with you know a particular deal and how how we should look at it in different ways the things that we're talking about all apply to <clears throat> a lot of times, most of the deals, if not all of the deals. And, yeah. uh, you know, title company is something that we haven't talked much about, but, uh, it's, it's been an issue. And, uh, um, you know, I think this is a good, I think we can continue to use this going forward. Yeah, for sure. And that's kind of how it all started, right, Jeff? That's right. Yep. Sitting down at the coffee shop and yep. BSing about real estate. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're coming up on, yeah, but we, we kind of have two, two counts of episodes because we have some bonus stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but we're coming up on our 100th episode. And, yeah, I want to try to think of something um, cool that we can either offer our listeners or, um, something that, you know, uh, there's no way I thought we would get to a hundred episodes. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's cool. Yeah. 
for sure. Yeah, we got to do something special. So we'll have to talk about that after. But well, guys, I hope you've gained some kind of value out of this. Um, it's uh, it was really meant to be random and just throw ideas out there. But a lot of you know, there's just a ton of foundational pieces in there, right? Um, that that you can get takeaways from and you can apply in your business. So hopefully you have. Um, if you guys are working on deals uh, for creative financing um, or if you've out there and you've done deals because of some strategy you've learned on this show, we would love to hear from you. We want to get your story on the show um, to, you know, really prove that it, it works for you and, you know, it will work for other people out there and, um, you know, you've, you've taken a, and applied the knowledge in your business. So you can reach us at our, on our hotline, um, the creative financing hotline. And that number is 877-409-8090. Again, 877-409-8090. Um, and if you want to get special access to a video that Jeff created on um, how to structure terms from start to finish and, you know, including an exit strategy um, where you can see his letter of intent and kind of moving the property from his CRM to getting it under contract and selling it to an end buyer. Um, text, uh, text, text our creative financing hotline um, CFP or creative financing. Just text that to, to our creative financing hotline to get access to that video. Uh, we're also on Facebook at the creative financing podcast. So you can um, DM me there. If, uh, if you want to get a hold of us, uh, if there's something more urgent um, and what else, what else? Jeff? Yeah, I, I, I want to put something out there. Maybe we'll, we'll mention this on the next few episodes. I want to work with one of our listeners to help us with social media to hey, help promote our podcast. Yes. Uh, um, you know, it, someone that knows what they're doing probably only needs to do, you know, 30, 45 minutes, an hour a week, maybe. Yeah. And <laughs> I'll figure out something that I'll, I'll give some value to you. Um, if you can help us, um, promote our, our podcast and just call that hotline and tell me that you, 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 you have a background in it and you, you know what you're doing and, um, you know, that you're interested in, then I'll reach out to you, but yeah, and I'll, I'll get back with them directly because, yeah. um, that's kind of more on my end of things. Uh, but yeah, thanks for bringing that up, Jeff. I actually haven't even thought about that guys. If you're out there and you've gained, um, some kind of value from this podcast and you want to give back, um, especially because we don't sell anything, then, um, if you, you know, if, if you do anything on social media, um, career wise or a lot, you know, to promote your own business business or something, um, we need help in that area because it's just so time consuming. Um, and I do all of the back end and editing for the podcast. Um, and the way I kind of build it out, I, I, you know, I, I pretty much, write a blog post um, or a short blog post that we can be using to um, create content on other platforms, um, you know, such as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, there's kind of, we our, our pillar content is this podcast. And from this podcast, we can take little bits, pieces and promote them on uh, social network, social media networks. Um, and we need more help. And it really, it's just a time consuming thing for me. Um, and for Jeff. So we, we just, we haven't put a ton of time into that, but now that we have, you know, all, we have this big archive, right. Yep. Um, 
like it's it's totally worth doing and we've really we've built our foundation uh and you know our pillar content is this podcast so yeah please if you're out there um and you do social media um get reach out to me you can dm me um on the creative financing podcasts on facebook or at the creative financing podcast on Facebook, um, or just call our number and say, Hey, I'd, I'd love to help you guys uh, with social media. Um, yeah, Jeff, that's a great point. I've, I've never thought of <laughs> thought you about know, asking I, our I, audience. I, yeah. I, I've been talking to, um, Rebecca, my partner, and she's like, you got to get some help for, you know, promoting your podcast. And, <clears throat> you know, the, when she says that I just cringe because it's like, it's not going to be me. Um, that, yeah. That's not what I do. That's not my thing. Yeah. And, um, and I, I, all of a sudden I started thinking, you know, we, we mentioned someone at the meetup mentioned to me that you could go to the like BYU and get people that are interns for free or for like seven bucks an hour or something. And so I, it's not that I don't want to pay you, I'd rather pay you in some other way. Um, you know, if I can help you with creative financing or wholesaling or real estate, uh, I'm happy to do it. I'll, I'll add you to our apprentice program. I'll do whatever. Um, uh, I, I want the value to be mutual, but I need someone that's dedicated to doing it. Yeah. And I, I just immediately thought, why shouldn't it be one of our listeners who's already somewhat, you know, um, involved, right? Yeah. yeah. I love that idea. Great, great idea. Yep. Cool. Hey guys. Yep, call my, call the hotline. If you want to know more about our apprentice program. Um, I, my goal is, is that we want to help 25 investors get to where they want to be at, by the end of the year. Um, we're dealing all over the country in commercial properties. Um, it's super exciting. You, uh, It'll blow your mind. So uh, call if you are of interest there, and I will get back to you. Yeah, what's the number, Jeff? I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) 877-409-8090 for that apprenticeship program. And then um, if, uh, if you're interested in helping us with social media, we would love to hear from you. Okay, guys, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, And until next time, go out there and create some terms. Thanks for listening to the Creative Financing Podcast. We need your feedback to continue to bring you the best strategies in creative financing. So please subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We greatly appreciate your ear and please pass this on. Until next time, create some terms. This show offers general information on creative financing strategies and real estate investments. Nothing contained herein should be considered personal, legal, or financial advice. Every state has individual laws governing the use and type of documents used to execute strategies discussed herein. You should consult with a local licensed real estate broker and attorney before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed, and opinions of the guests are their own. Profits are not guaranteed, and there's always inherent risk in real estate investing.